Welcome to the Be the CEO of Your Life and Business podcast. I'm Laura Katina. And I'm Amy Mara. And we created this podcast out of our own struggles with the hope that we can help other women who are navigating one of the many different seasons we've been through. Whether you're running a business or dealing with the juggling act of your motherhood and your career, we are here to give you real tips and strategies to navigate it all. So let's dive into today's episode. We are so excited about the guests we are bringing to you. I actually just had a conversation with somebody at a meeting I had this afternoon about how Amy and I love to have on powerful women who can teach us something. And I know that you will learn a lot from our guests that we're having on today. Her name is Jen Mallory, and she's a holistic business coach. Um, and I can't wait for her to describe to you what that is, because it's, it's so interesting for me to learn about. So I was saying before, I can't wait to have this conversation because I know we're going to learn a lot and I know our audience is going to learn a lot. So Jen, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Um, my name, as you said, is Jen Mallory, and my co- I am a coach, a professional certified coach, and my company is called Ingenious Coaching and Consulting. And I never set out to be a coach. I set out to be a lawyer. Here I am. Okay, um, I <laughs> and I never actually made it to law school because after college, I moved to New York City and started working for ABC News and got really involved in interactive multimedia back in the day before the World Wide Web was invented. So yeah, dating myself with that one, I know. Um, but that, that uh, led me on um, a path where I always was looking at new things and how people were integrating them into their lives. So I lost my job on 9-11. I had been working with a um, joint venture between the Walt Disney Company and another um, very well-known company. Um, and they went out of business on 9-11 because we were located across the street from the World Trade Center. And I thought, what am I going to do now? So I moved to the suburbs and I became a real estate agent because I found out I was pregnant and I thought, I can't go back into the world of multimedia because I'm going to have a little baby. I'll be a real estate agent and I'll just be stay at home with my baby. Well, fast forward like five years later, and I'm running a company <laughs> as uh, the team leader and the CEO. And part of my journey in this particular company was to be trained as a coach for the top 20% of agents in gross volume sales. And one of the things that I realized in coaching on business was that when people weren't hitting their goals, it was never about the business. It was always about the personal things that were getting in the way of achieving the business. So I went back to school and got um, a coaching certification and a methodology called positive intelligence, which allows people to bring the whole of themselves to their business, which is now why I call myself a holistic business coach. I love that so much. Yeah, I like people to show up with all parts of themselves in their business. I love that. Love that so much. So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what your methodology is? Like, what is holistic business coaching? All right. So I got to coaching through biohacking, which is the science of um, aligning psychology and biology and environment to Uh, have the most energy to apply to your life. And I got there because I completely burnt out being CEO of a company as you, as you, you know what it's like with the, you know, texting on uh, 
picking up your kids, answering phone calls when you're in the car, getting home, helping with homework while you're texting people and responding to texts, getting them in bed and then sitting down and answering emails and just feeling like you get up the next day and you're doing it again. Mm-hmm. So I got to a point in my life where I felt incredibly burnt out by that. And I thought there's got to be something else. There has to be more of me that I can bring into um, my business. And so that's when I decided to, I'm just going to step out and I'm going to become a coach. And I did that. The methodology that I have is really based upon biohacking. And what it is, there's six basic pillars of um who you are that you need to really pay attention to in order to deliver your very best. And Lori, you are going to love this. I know Uh, it's nutrition, right? Exercise, sleep, awareness, which is a little bit different than mindfulness. It encompasses mindfulness, but it's awareness. And uh, the ultimate goal is really the relationships that you have with other people and how you situate yourself in the world. So when you are able to develop a foundation that takes into account all of those things is when you can show up as your very best. And so my methodology encompasses all of those things to help people show up in a super powerful way that maximizes their relationships. When you start coaching somebody, I assume you, you know, you have to meet them where they are, right? So do you like, where do you normally start? with someone. So I am a practitioner of a methodology that's called positive intelligence. And positive intelligence is awareness. It's a kind of awareness that allows you to bring what the awareness that you would have in meditation into your day so that you have that peace and that ability to respond rather than react with you at all times. So when I first start coaching with somebody, we go over, all right, what is it that you're looking to do in your business and in your life? And so people will come to me with, this is what I'm trying to achieve. Uh, I have a questionnaire, you know, what do you think is in the way? So we start the process of coaching and then I run them through this methodology, um, which is a six week program that they take and it teaches the fundamentals of awareness. And that program, once I teach people how to access their emotions and how to work with their emotions, it 10 times delivers what I can do in individual coaching because people come already aware of the things that are getting in their way. And then we just talk through what's getting in their way and focus on the actions that they're going to take to get where they want to go. How difficult is the awareness part? Because, you know, we, you mentioned before, awareness is a little bit different from mindfulness. So what's the distinction? Awareness is really just paying attention to, to all of the things that are going on around you, where mindfulness is really mind-directed. So you're being mindful about something. But with what I've learned from biohacking, it's awareness. And so not only are you aware of what your mind is saying, but you're also aware of the impulses that are coming to you from your body. Because we have these impulses. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So 80% of what you take in is actually through your body. It's not through your mind. 
And it will get stored in different places in your body, believe it or not, because you have brain cells in both your heart and your stomach, which is why we have heartbreak and gut feelings, right? And if you are able to access that information, it takes your awareness to an entirely different level. And so this methodology really helps in combination with what I've learned about biohacking and business so that I can help people with a holistic approach to both their life and their business. Mindfulness, right? is like, so I feel like it's such a popular thing now, like everywhere you go, you hear, Oh, you, you practice mindfulness. I do mindfulness for, you should do it for 12 minutes a day. It's like, I hear it everywhere. Are both mindfulness and being aware effective or is awareness more effective than mindfulness. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I I think there are two kind of, there are two different things because another word for awareness is also attention, right? Mm -hmm. So mindfulness is really sort of the process of creating that space for yourself, right? But when you are in the midst of your busy day, you can't always create that space for yourself, but you can create the uh, awareness and the focus of where you need to put your attention. So that sounds like it would be really helpful for say a busy business owner. <laughs> well, yeah, because you know, everything is energy, right? And and that's what my whole coaching paradigm is about is is having enough energy to do the things that you want to do at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And your attention, where your attention goes, your energy flows. But we're not always so great at choosing where our attention is. We get very distracted. So people tell me all the time, oh, I started doing this and then I got a phone call and the phone call led me off and, you know, led me off on a wild goose chase. And it's all of us. Yeah. It's human. It's very human. Yeah. And I always say, like, especially as a business owner, you know, a mom, Amy and I are running our own firm. You're a business owner. You know, it's like there's so many things on any given day pulling at our attention and it's hard to be aware because I I forget who I was talking to the other day. I was saying, I'm like a squirrel. Like I'm working on one thing and then I hear the phone ringing or my phone dings and I'm like, what was that? And I'm like moving on to the here and there and everywhere. And it's like, it's become really hard for me to focus. Yes. And so mindfulness is really the awareness of how you want things to be, right? And awareness in the particular moment is driving you to that person, that reality. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because that's, I mean, that's something that Laura and I talk about a lot on the podcast and kind of helps guide us. I, we, I almost feel like we do a baseline where we have buckets of routines that we keep to during the day, right? We have a morning routine. Laura's really passionate about the evening routine she's created. My evenings are normally nuts with my kids. I don't, I'm not there yet. Um, (laughs) Although I do have some habits that I have created, like no screen time. My phone doesn't go by my bed, like things like that, that kind of just keep me on track. And I couldn't imagine what life would look like for me as a busy business owner and mom, if I didn't have just that baseline. But I noticed, and especially like in the weeks where you have so much going on or that you have a lot of things vying for your attention, 
that my presence in a particular moment is not where I want it to be or like not where I think it could be. And so I feel like your distinction here is so important. And I love that you introduced the concept of routines because I think that the way to really get anywhere in life is to create routines, right? So, but your routines have to be flexible enough that they can accommodate the inevitable distractions that come right. up. And you can't be so stuck on a routine that you get frustrated by the distraction because we all know it, especially as moms with young kids, distractions, they're part of life. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to have that routine to fall back on. And what I've noticed as my kids get older is that I've had to change those routines. So things that used to work for me don't work anymore. And you have to be flexible enough to go is to recognize if a distraction is happening and the routine isn't working anymore because the routine isn't working or is it the distraction that's keeping you from the routine? So funny that you say that too, because we just did a podcast episode last week about resetting in the month of September because new routines come back and kids go to school and yep. just like, it feels almost like a new year within the year. And um, one of the things we brought up was having this like mental flexibility to be able to shift. And it's really hard though, because when you think, you know, people are, or you even are coaching, like, okay, make routines, routines are important to you. And then sometimes people can get so fixated on the routine and it can become like an all or nothing, right? If I'm not doing it perfect, then I'm not doing it right. And then you know, what, what's the use kind of thing. And so can you talk a little bit about that, about maybe what some of your favorite tips are or tools are to remain flexible, or maybe there's like a mindset principle behind that, that, that busy business owners could gravitate to. Oh, I love this so much. Cause this is what the awareness program that I have is about. It's uh -huh. about being able to recognize when you're running a negative routine, when when you're just running something and it is running away with you. So yes. what it does is to just, you, you stop and you recognize, I am hijacked. So there's 10 different brain patterns that people can run. And we're all a combination of these different, these 10 different patterns. And so if you can identify which one of them is running away with you, you stop it and you use a body focus technique, get your brain out of the groove, right? Because you know how your brain works, you yeah. get a neuron and it fires. And then anytime you get a situation that matches a situation in the past, you automatically fire off a series of neuro neurons that make you act or feel a particular way. But if you can then go, oh yeah, here's that thing again. Let me just take a second. I'm gonna refocus. So you, a good one is to just rub your fingers together for like, it only takes like 10 seconds. So if you rub your fingers together and you pay really close attention, that will take you out of the reactivity of your brain and refocus you so that then you can choose where you want your attention to go. I so interesting. love that. <laughs> so can we dovetail off then because the whole entire time that I'm thinking about this, about like reactiveness and responsiveness at, for Laura and I, we talked a little bit before um, we got online with you today about how 
Like sometimes the interactions that we deal with as attorneys, but this applies to business owners, this applies to busy, distracted moms. It's just, you might not show up as like your best self in what you say, the, what your words are, what how you respond to somebody and you react, maybe not as your highest self. And so I would love to hear more about your perspective on like the power of language, the power of words, what we say, how we say it. Um, if you can give us a little bit of insight into that. Yeah. How awareness plays into that too. It's just the whole topic is just so interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, I was just thinking about this. I'm, I'm working on another um, program that's about this. The world that you learn to be you in doesn't exist anymore. Ooh. Ooh. We, just, we just made the same sound. Right? We are the same oh person, by the way. So <laughs> when we respond, it's not planned. We just literally have the same reactions. Continue, please. Yeah. <laughs> so you learn to be you as a little girl with all of the people around you who told you things because we're born into this world blank slate. We don't even know. We're the most helpless animal on the planet born. We're the only animal that cannot live without another animal taking care of us when we're very small. So we're taught by the people around us and whatever they teach us, we automatically believe because we have no other context against which to measure it, right? So the words that you are taught as a child become the words that create the world that you live in. So here's a, here's a great example from my own childhood. When I was growing up, it was all about be nice. And when I was in high school, there was a very icky boy who had a crush on me. And he was a very icky boy because he was like AV squad kind of guy. Sorry, AV squad guys, I love you now, but then I did not. And he would show up at my house and my mother would make me have coke with him in the afternoon. I have to sit there for an hour and have a coke with this icky boy who had a crush on me because that was the nice thing to do. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So as I got older, I realized that I lived into a paradigm of niceness and I was nice to everybody. We were really on the inside. We were talking about this later. I was different experience on the inside than I was showing on the outside. But what I realized is that nice is not at all kind we i was taught to be nice because you didn't want the other person to feel bad but it wasn't very kind to him because here this guy thinks oh i can this this could be my girlfriend and there was no way that was ever happening <laughs> <laughs> but having to sit with him and have these cokes created this illusion that there might have been something there it would have been far kinder not to be nice so when I realized this niceness that I was living into as a word, I dropped being nice. I never tell my children to be nice. I never tell anybody to be nice. I tell them to be kind. And what I mean by being kind is being authentic and being truthful in a very compassionate way, right? So there's an example of a word that created a particular world for me that wasn't very authentic. And I'm not blaming my, my mother at all because that was what you did. That's how everybody behaved. But I'm just saying that as I got older for myself, I realized that creating a new word created a new world for me. I love that so 
much. And I honestly, I mean, I can relate to the extent that we scrutinize over words all day long as attorneys, right? Mm -hmm. When we interpret a contract, we need to interpret the word. And if we don't, we, we don't know how to interpret it or we can't agree. We have to go to what the judges have said about that word or what the case law says. And it's just, it's incredible to hear how much power language can have and how it can be so divisive, or it could be very, you know, inclusive. It could be very, you know, helpful. It could join people together. It could divide them apart. Right. I had, and it brings me back. I took one of my favorite classes ever in college was a co- uh, class called the power of language. And it, I was a political science major. And it was then that I learned about like great speech writers and, um, you know, really fascinating people that they, the power of the speeches that they gave, like the president's speeches, there's always somebody behind it. Right. And one of the things that I learned that stuck with me was the use of like war terms or battle, or you're, you're battling something or you're fighting for something and what that really can like propel emotionally for you when you use that word. Whereas a different word could completely change the direction of like the interaction. It could either like temper it or it could ramp it up, like whatever the case may be. Um, I just absolutely love this. I'm so fascinated by this. Yeah. And what I think makes your job particularly difficult is that we never fully understand the context that people have behind words. Mm, right. Right. So when you guys are writing contracts, you are are very specific to the things that you can see. But what you may see is that there's a what you may not see there might be a word that somebody places a whole context on that never occurred to you because it's not been in your experience for that particular word. Right. Right. So your job, I think, is incredibly hard and incredibly interesting because you can never be 100% sure what the emotional context of any of the words you're using is. How does this come into play with the way we speak to ourselves? Is that part of your coaching? Yes, it's (laughs) such a big one. Especially for women. Especially for women, but for men too. It's just that it's not acceptable for men to talk about it in the same way that women do. But, you know, as much as I I say that I work, you know, my, my ideal client is women. I coach as many men as I do women. And they have things that they say to themselves too. It's just, they don't sit around talking with their friends about it because it's not manly to do. Right. I think one of the most interesting things is to understand the words that you use with yourself. Because remember how I told you that we have this world and it creates this context and we don't know anything else. So what we are told becomes belief. I think it's particularly hard. And I've had to do a lot of work on myself to understand what it, what what it is that I am saying to myself because it feels like truth. It doesn't feel like the stories that I'm telling myself. It feels like truth. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 Yes. The way like words have do have so much power and the way we speak to ourselves, I almost think is can be more important than thinking about how we speak to other people, because the way we speak to ourselves is going to, like you said, create the the world that we live in. 
And so how does that affect somebody being able to show up as their whole self in their business? Oh my gosh. But I would say bingo, because the primary relationship that you have is with yourself. And if you are not speaking to yourself well, how can you possibly speak to other people well? And it's really hard, you know, going back to that whole thing about nice versus kind, for a long time, I thought, I am not a nice person because I don't want to act this way. And this, I, this is not what I'm feeling at right. all. Mm. So I felt like I was wrong because I wasn't nice. And when I finally looked at that and said, well, is that true? And I realized, no, it's not true, but it's a story that I believed. And then I could step back and say, I can be kind. And then I didn't have to act into this whole fake nice thing that got me in trouble because there are times when I wasn't nice, (laughs) right? Yeah. In coaching your clients, do you find that there is like a correlation between the words that they use and how they physically feel? Like, is that a way, for example, let's use your example about kind versus nice. If, did it feel differently to think about yourself or tell yourself like, be nice, be nice. And in your body, you said like, I don't feel nice. Like, I don't feel like I'm being nice. I don't feel aligned to that. But then when you said be kind, it started to connect a little more with you. Is there something that does correlate there with like our our physical sensations or symptoms that we might have when we are not being authentic, um, whether it be like an uncomfortability or something that we can tap into. Oh my gosh, Amy, I think that is beautiful. And I think it's true, especially going back to that kind and nice. When I dropped being nice, I felt so much more powerful because I was being real. And I was able to speak into what the truth of things were and to understand that I could still be compassionate and treat people with respect without this veneer of niceness. And for me, it sort of clicked into place. Ah, yes, that's how I want to be. I don't want to be nice, but I want to be kind. And that means being respectful, but also being true to myself. Because when I was being nice, I wasn't being true to me first, kind of to Laura's point about the way you speak to yourself. So how can somebody start to become more aware of how they're speaking to themselves? So that is super interesting. And I've been doing um, a bunch of work on that. So there's a couple of different ways. Do you journal? Have you journal? Do you keep a journal? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go back three years and start reading from three years back all of the words in your journal, and you will see how you speak to yourself. Ooh, I'm going to do that. (laughs) Yes. I work a lot with patterns, too, and seeing patterns because those are reflective of the way that you think. So the words that you're using are reflective of the patterns of your thought. So going back and rereading journals is the best way, I think, to understand what those patterns are. But if you're not a journaler and not everybody is, just taking some time out and learning how to be in mindfulness will also help you because you start to understand what your drivers are when you sit in silence and you just observe what comes up. It requires work. It's not. Yeah. 
and anything in this space requires work, right? Anything, you know, worth it doesn't come easy. So, you know, if, if you want to become more aware and figure out, you know, what issues you might be having, what might be holding you back, it does, it, it takes work. Like it doesn't just happen, right? It does um, not just happen. And it's hard. And, you know, do you find that with your clients, it can be, it can be hard to look at yourself and look at the way you're talking to yourself and it may not be so great and say, wait a minute, maybe like I'm the one that has to change. Do you see, I mean, that's gotta be so difficult for people. Yes. And so another of the words that I am dropping consciously is that word hard because it's a a judgment. (laughs) It's a judgment on a particular situation. And when I go and I do the work, and I have done a tremendous amount of looking at things in myself that I have not always found pretty, but when I learned how to do it with compassion and blameless discernment, okay, so there's a difference between judging yourself and looking at what is and being able to say, this is what is, do I like it or do I not like it? And if I don't like it, what am I going to do about it? Because I don't think we can really spend a lot of time blaming ourselves for things because then you just get stuck in that negative pattern. It doesn't move you forward. So what I do with a lot of people is get them to really dump the story around blaming themselves for anything that has happened and just say, awesome, now you're aware. What do you want to do about that? I love that it takes like your behavior to a whole other level, right? I think there's a behavior list that I read about recently. I can't remember who it was. They said something like you change by feeling your best and not by feeling your worst or something along those lines, right? So if you're continually like bogging down in all of those terrible negative thoughts, it's like, how can you feel like that's going to motivate you to make better improvements? Whereas what you're saying is, you just have to take it as neutral as possible and say, like, what can you learn from it? How can this be different? Where do you go from here? And I love that so much. It's such a big power of words. It's like such a big distinction between those two camps, right? Yeah. And it's sort of the difference between a therapist and a coach. And when people come to me, I say, look, I am not a therapist. There may be things that come up Um, in the course of our conversation that relate to your past, but I'm not about trauma work. I'm not about fixing any of your emotions. What I am about is looking to see where you are and what you need to do next. Where are we going from here? And if you need a therapist, I can help you find somebody who might, if you want to deal with some of those emotions, but that's not what we're doing here. We're moving forward. So would you say your coaching focuses more on like business and goal setting or personal things, or is it just like a combination? So a lot, most of the people that I'm working with are looking to next level themselves. They don't need my tactical business advice. Like I'm not going to tell them what kind of mail email program they need to use or whether QuickBooks versus some other program works for them. Like a business coach would do. So a lot of what I deal with is when you are looking to next level yourself, talk about the power of words. A lot of times we need different language to communicate at a different level. Uh, So a lot of what I deal with with people, they're all highly successful people in their own rights. A lot of times I don't even know that much about their business, 
but I know about how they are showing up and what they need to do to show up on that next level. So a lot of what I do with the holistic part of it is bringing themselves into it. Like I brought myself into kindness rather than niceness and it opened up a whole bunch of power inside of me that I could then use to focus on other things. That's kind of what I do with my coaching clients as well. That makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, When you were talking about the different pillars that you go through with clients, is there one that outshines the other or one that you like to start with first, because you feel like it might be a root of more, you know, of their, the change that they can produce of themselves. Is there one thing that you really like to focus on? It's really the awareness piece of it, because I think that's the one, like all of those six pillars, they're systems. So we were talking about having routines and, you know, systems before each of them is a system and they're all reliant on each other. So any change in one system will be felt throughout all of the systems. So anything you do is good. But for me, what I found, and I started when I had my total breakdown, when I was um, the CEO of the company, I started first with nutrition and exercise. And that brought me to like biohacking, that brought me to awareness. And then I realized, oh wow, awareness is the one that really can, can move you the most if you don't have a baseline for it because it just helps you decipher a lot of the things that might be holding you back right so some of them are biological and some of them are relational the pillars yeah and i guess it depends on the person too um and what their you know major issue is because some people may have their nutrition and sleep and stuff like on track, they're good. Um, But it's the awareness piece that's like for me, I am very into nutrition. I work out every day, I have my morning routine, I sleep great, Um, but I still have that trouble focusing. And so for me, I would need to focus more on like awareness, mindfulness. I try to do mindfulness um, every morning and I'm working on it, but for me, that's a major issue, but for somebody else, they may need to start eating healthier, you know, and then build from there. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, um, the same kind of coach. Like I, with your coaching, you're much more able to really concentrate on people and developing those routines. I will more bring awareness to nutrition, not as a, not, I'm not a nutrition coach, but I know enough about it to say, you know what? you really need to go pay attention to that. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe you want to go talk to somebody about creating that plan for you. And then, Mm. you know, we take care of that piece or we take care of, um, you know, with, I do tons of different exercise stuff, but I am not a personal trainer. So, you know what, find a personal trainer who can really help you develop a, a routine for yourself. And I know enough to know you really need that. Yes. <laughs> and that's going to help you with all of the stuff that we deal with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It really is this whole concept of how do you show up as a whole person in your business is just so um, amazing to me. And although we talk about like related topics, Amy, like I've never thought about it like that, like showing no. up. Right. Have you? Yeah. No, because what, well, where we have, where we have really focused is like, I guess, saving space for all of the hats that you wear 
and not trying to ignore the fact that you are multifaceted. You have, you know, if you're a mom and that's really important to you to be the best mom that you possibly can be, then it has to somehow come into your work life, you know, or your, your business, because if it doesn't, then your business isn't really authentic to who you are either. So we try to say like, you, you're wearing multiple hats and that's okay, but don't ignore one of those hats, you know, and to its detriment because you're trying to succeed somewhere else because you're failing then elsewhere. And I use those terms very loosely now, the power of words, but like, yeah. you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're not showing up the way that you want to show up perhaps in your, your personal family life if you're focusing all of your attention on solely on your business and not giving it the time it needs. So, um, but that awareness piece, Laura used to tell me this all the time years ago, we used to say that mindset was everything and your mindset and your awareness and your mindfulness is everything, but I've never seen it so nuanced the way that you've explained it today. And it really is giving me so much to think about. Um, I'm so glad. Yeah. No, it really, it really is amazing. And and we've said before that I don't like the term work-life balance because I look at it and we got this from Grant Cardone, right, Amy? Like I yeah. look at it like it's your life and all of it is part of your, your life. And I don't believe that there is such a thing, you know, as balance as, as working moms, like there's going to be seasons where you're hustling and you're building your business or you're working a lot. Um, and there's going to be seasons where you have to focus more on the kids. Like it's never going to be like a 50, 50 balance. How do you, I'm interested to see how you feel about that. I think we all get really caught up in shoulds, what I should do, what I should look like, what it, what I should look like as a mom, what I should look like as a business owner. And I know that I still find myself caught up in that. Oh, I should be doing that and I'm not doing that. Um, but I think once you get caught up in that, then you are not living your whole life. You're living the shoulds that somebody else is created by somebody else's expectation. Right. So I, I really love that, that I don't believe in work-life balance either. It's work-life imbalance. And if yes. you think about, if you think about like a, a, a ballerina, for example, and we think they're balanced, but when she's standing on one toe, she's counterbalancing the whole time. She's using different muscles to hold her up. She's not just standing there like that. And life is sort of like that ballerina on her toe. It, you, you have to move back and forth in between the different areas of your life. And be okay with that. That is like the most beautiful analogy I have ever heard on the topic of balance, seriously. And visually, I'm a visual person. So visually, that makes complete sense to me. I love it. I love it so much. Jen, this has been so amazing. Is there anything else you can tell our audience about about your coaching or something that you know you'd like to touch on before we close out today? Or anything new coming up on the horizon for right. you that you're excited to introduce uh, to clients? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, there's 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 so many things. But first of all, I the message that I really want for people to understand is this message of ingenious, which is what I named my my company because I really really feel like each of us is ingenious. It means creative, resourceful, and original. And there is nobody else in the world who can do what you do as you do. And when I look around and I see what my generation is leaving for my kids, what I know is if everybody showed up in what it means to be ingenious, that probably 75% of the problems that the world is dealing with 
would just evaporate overnight. And I really want people to own that in an authentic way and to allow other people to own, own that as well. So that's kind of my message. That's what I love about the word ingenious. And I'm so, I, it's not zone of genius, it's ingenious, which I think you can own as a holistic thing instead of just a zone, you can own the whole thing. And yeah, so I'm starting these mindfulness programs. I'm gonna be starting one in early October. I'm doing the work right now to um, you know, set those up and I'll be giving a series of presentations about what it actually is. Um, so for anybody who's interested, I would um, love to share that. Yeah, and please. Where where can everybody find you? Theingeniouscoach.com is my uh, website. Um, you can send me an email at jen at theingeniouscoach.com. I'm always looking to create, you know, conversations with women. And as you know, Laura, I don't know, Amy, if you are aware of this, but I run a group called Society of Ingenious Women, and it's uh, free. And it's a program where we get together on Fridays and we talk about the skills for uh, a world that your parents couldn't imagine. So we address topics that are really important to develop skills around um, to be able to show up as your best. I love that so much. So we will put all of this in the show notes so that if people want to find you, um, they can visit your website, they can, you know, find you on Facebook. Um, we'll put, you know, all the stuff in the show notes because you are amazing and oh you gosh, have you guys a lot, you have a lot to share with the world and, um, a lot to teach. And I think that people, you know, could benefit so much, um, from, from your teaching. So we thank you so much for being a guest today. You know, we loved having you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. We thank you for spending time with us today and we'll talk to you on the next episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and perhaps share it with someone that you think might benefit from today's episode. We'll see you next week.